Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Fresh Out the Podcast, episode 61. Uh, this is the only podcast where nobody wins, everybody loses. There you go. I'm Jahananan, at RockFact on Twitter. It's me, it's me, Casualty, CDG, retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. And I am Drew Munhausen, the professional media and movie mastermind, The Funhouse. And I will say, for those of you who are listening to the audio, then our MCU draft was a week ago. For those of you that are with us live, it was just a few minutes ago. And so I think that emotions are maybe still flying a little high. Um, <laughs> they're maybe, you know, we're trying to get calm, but I, I think that we're still a little hot, heated right now, um, especially. Know, I'm good. One. <laughs> One week ago, I was texted after our draft by my good friend, my personal friend, uh, the ace amongst cards, Zach Bernard. And he told me that you definitely lost. <laughs> and, so do with that what you will. Not sure who won, but this you do lose. You're a loser, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let the people speak. Zach is not included in uh, the general populace known as the people. And the people will speak. I guarantee you all that. Okay? Okay. <laughs> um, for uh, a while now, you know, a, a few weeks ago on the podcast, Gary watched the first episode of the rehearsal. And I have to give Gary credit for this, and I think I've said this a couple weeks ago. Gary's ahead of the curve because he watched the rehearsal, and it was before I'd heard any buzz about it. Not long after that, I feel like the show kind of blew up from a pop culture uh, standpoint. And while we are going to get into some of the other things that we've watched and been enjoying recently, uh, I do want to put front and center the rehearsal because Gary and I have... Uh, both been texting about it through the week some um, when we've watched new episodes, but really haven't gone in depth. Uh, and I want to give us a chance to really talk about it. Now, Jahan has not watched the show yet. He's watched an episode of it and like an insane person, didn't even start at the beginning, watched an episode in the middle of the series. So uh, <laughs> that's one way to do it. It's not the way that I would recommend you do it. Uh, I would definitely recommend you watch the show starting from the beginning and see how I it evolves. I second because, that. Yeah, if you're going to watch with... it, watch one first, not three first. <laughs> yes. That's the one that started for me. Because without, without spoiling too much, although we are going to talk about this in a, a little bit more detail, so I guess there will be some spoilers. But the the, the first episode, it, it leads you to believe this is going to be a very episodic series where a different character each week and uh, in a different scenario and then, it, and then, you know, move on from week to week. Instead, the first episode is almost a red herring. It kind of sets you up with the premise. But the second episode uh, starts a storyline that ends up being recurring throughout. Uh, and the show really kind of pivots as to what it's all about. I had never seen an episode of Nathan for you uh, before Ooh. watching this, which is Nathan Fielder's show um, from a few years ago. So I was just not really familiar with him and his brand, so to speak. Uh, however, you watch the show and I have just an um, all new immense amount of respect for him and, and what he does. Uh, Gary, I'll let you I'll let you I'll hand it over to you in a second. But I will just say, as somebody who did not know, I find this man to be simultaneously a comedic genius 
um, while also maybe being an evil mastermind, while also being a just um, emotional... I, don't, I can't even vocalize what I want to say. Like, this show does become very emotional while at the same time you, you you can't even tell at the end of like, is this all for real? Are some people in on the joke? Like I, you just can't <laughs> even tell. Um, I, I do think the whole thing is brilliant. It may not be for, for everyone, but boy, did I have just an incredible time with this, with this only six episode series. Yeah, Gary, I, how about you? I, I, I agree. The rehearsal, it starts off like you said, with this premise that it's going to be this week-to-week thing where he's trying to help people reveal some epic truth to someone close to them in their lives. Uh, And the effort that this show goes through is one of the comedic things to me. (laughs) And and so it's it's this strange uh, sense of humor that, like you're right, Drew, it it definitely is not for everybody. Um, But all of the jokes are, like, meta of themselves. And and the things that, uh, that Nathan does, for example, he flies to L.A. to start an acting class about the Fielder method and teaches people to, like, go to a store and, you know, go out in public and find a person and then learn as much about them as you can from interacting and then come back tomorrow as that person. (laughs) And and then he, like, doesn't berate them, but he, like, talks down to his students for not getting enough information or, you know, not becoming the person enough. Because, of course, what he does is, like, all in over-the-top method acting, setting up these scenes... Uh, And so there's a guy who doesn't like his class. Guy's not taking it seriously. So then all of a sudden, Nathan's in the class dressed as the guy. And then there's a guy (laughs) dressed as Nathan teaching the class with all of these extras in the class playing all of the other students so that Nathan can understand why he's not connecting with that guy. The show is just absolutely bizarre. It's so strange. It's super funny. And I want to say it's a high-concept comedy. But it might not be high concept. I might just be arrogant. It's, it's, I, I would say it's, so I'm a big fan of Nathan Fielder. I love Nathan for you. I'm a, I'm a fan of his. And I've only watched one episode, but the one I watch, so this is probably very high concept. Uh, it's, I don't know how, it's the most convoluted nonsense I've ever seen in my entire yes. life, but somehow it works perfectly. Uh, in every way, it just it <laughs> he takes it too far all the, the whole, time. The whole show is a setup for him to in, interject himself into the setup and then start you know replaying and rehearsing all these really small trivial things. Uh, and so I could see how a show this pointless might drive someone crazy, but boy, is it funny to me. I don't think it's being hyperbolic when i say i've never seen anything like this no. before no i i truly have not and i think the first episode is such a perfect introduction because you see the scale of what they're doing and bar that is built and i love that the bar becomes a My recurring character. thing <laughs> throughout it is just incredible um in the second episode i i had her you know once i started watching the show and doing a bit more research on Nathan Fielder. And I'd, I've watched some clips from, from Nathan for you since. Um, 
But I, I, I've seen in some articles that one of the things he's really excelled at is his casting and who he picks for for the show or for these for his past shows and this one. And that definitely shines here, um, especially when Angela is introduced in the second episode, because this series or whatever they were doing with this first season does not work without Angela. Uh, well, because it also does not work because of Angela. R- right, exactly. It, it's, it goes both ways. It's just, it's fascinating and never before had, I mean, I've seen good shows and I'm like, oh, people should watch this. But this is a show where I'm like, everybody needs to watch this show. Every person should watch this. You will, your mileage will absolutely v- vary. I could see people watching this and absolutely hating it. Yeah. But I was just beyond intrigued by it. I watched this with my wife. My wife watched every episode with me. And the fascinating thing about that was that there would be parts where I was I would just be chuckling or I, I would lose it laughing. And she would look at me and literally be like, I, I don't see what's funny. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. this seems really serious to me. And I'm like <laughs> and, and I'd be I'd be like, Yes. Sometimes just, that's why it's so funny. The absurdity of it is what's so funny, though. It's just situations and scenarios are just strange and and absolutely bizarre. Uh, it's it's fascinating. It's talent to make the most normal things absolutely absurd. Yeah. And Nathan for you is that. It's it's exactly that. In a blanket, in a nutshell, he goes to normal businesses. And does absolutely absurd things to help promote their business. Um, and so this show is just more of that taking a normal thing and somehow it's really strange and absurd. And then once it's already strange and absurd, then he rehearses it with extras. And then he does it again. Uh, and then he builds a, an exact replica of your house and hires somebody to meet you in a park and learn how to act exactly like you. Uh, you know, it's just an absolutely strange premise, and it just keeps giving. Yeah, he's uh, a he's a one man Ocean's Eleven, and the heist is comedy. Uh, to the point <laughs> where uh, Drew, you you know how he travels a lot, like during a bit, right? Or he'll just stop during a bit, and then now it's a rehearsal all of a sudden. John, how to with John Wilson has that same energy, where you think you're watching a documentary about a thing. And then all of a sudden, you're somewhere else doing something else that's only barely related, and only John Wilson gets how it's related. Uh, the same way that I think in Nathan, in this show, in the rehearsal, I think you're just in Nathan Fielder's mind. He's just letting you into his mind of comedy. Uh, and he's broken down a whole lot of the barriers in his mind, where you just have to kind of draw the lines of why this is so funny. Um and then, not just funny, during the last episode, there's some real emotional stuff uh, with with the sort of attachment he's made with one of the child actors. Uh, and he has to, you know, he, he goes and spends time with the kid offset to make sure the kid understands the difference between acting, uh, playing daddy, and actually being daddy. Uh, so there's a lot of really emotional, heart-pulling <laughs> stuff in that last episode. We're just like, holy crap, what am I watching? What's happening here? Yeah, when you uh, have the realization of, of the emotion, how it must affect the emotions of a child who who whose father is absent in his life and now taking on this acting role where he has, a, a you know, essentially a full-time dad and cr- having to understand the line between reality and make-believe. It's just, I mean, it goes 
into so many different layers that I would have never expected. And you can tell the show had no intention of ever going that way. But with Angela leaving and then him uh, staying as a single dad and then happening to have a child actor who doesn't have a dad and forming this bond, all of this <laughs> oh, just no. happens on camera. And it's all natural. But he has the insight uh, and and the ability to see that this is important and this is a story and it's just as good as what he's making. And so then they make a replica of her house, of her trailer home. And then then he's wearing her exact outfit because he asked her where she bought her jacket and she said buckle. So he's got all of her clothes on and hires another kid actor to pretend to play that kid so that he can practice breaking the news that he's not the real daddy. Just out of, like, thin air, this whole new plot comes in. This whole new set comes in. All new characters. Just when you think the show's uh, sort of on the downhill, just when you think it's done, uh, he does another rehearsal. Uh, I would watch another season of the rehearsal. I would watch two more seasons. If you like the rehearsal, which I know you do, I'm telling you guys, my show of 2021 was How To with John Wilson. It was the best show of that year. So if you watch one show that I recommended from that year, it's How To with John Wilson. This year, it's probably going to be Peacemaker, but this is going to be rehearsals a close second, and I Ooh, will definitely watch more seasons of rehearsal. The rehearsal has been renewed for season two. Yes, um, sir. Of course it has. It's two, hilarious. Uh, and I, I would be willing to say it is of... of of everything, movies and TV, everything, probably the best thing that I've seen this year. Yeah, I'm on it. I still need I'm to finish it. I've only seen the third episode for some weird reason. Uh, but <laughs> I'm jumping into the third episode. Yeah, I know. It's just it's the, the one that played thing. when I clicked on it. But no, so it is hilarious. I don't know, man. It's like he's gaslighting all these people. It's like he's gaslighting me. Like, I don't know who's real. Yes. Uh, you're talking gaslighting himself. I don't even know how to <laughs> let him do it. I worry that he might have an actual psychotic break at some point because of just the tenuous grip on reality that he displays sometimes. But, I like... Think he might be one of the greatest, greatest comedians of our generation and maybe of all time. He's it's special, so man. brilliant. He's so something fresh. Yeah, he plays the straight to, like, his own ridiculous situations that he creates, and it's just so good. Um, and you guys talk about the emotionality. The, <laughs> the thing he did where he got the actor playing the brother in the rehearsal against this other guy to, after the rehearsal, as himself take that guy to another actor that was playing his grandfather. Amazing. So it was... Like, so, like, did that guy really... Did that old man really crap himself? Did that guy really clean up his shit? <laughs> Does he really think that guy is dead now? Like, holy crap! That was, like, such... And then the 360 of that guy's mental, uh, like, health... In the like, he went from being like just making racist jokes about <laughs> Jewish people, which Nathan addressed in a hilarious way. Yeah, that's um, super funny. Uh, to this like sincere person because he was broken mentally and emotionally by Nathan Fielder uh, with this convoluted dead grandfather prank. Uh, which just it was so crazy, and all of it takes place in a Kane's. 
that's not really a case that's in an airplane <laughs> hangar full of extras. So if you're like, I kept forgetting it wasn't a real case. They ordered food and every, but yeah, it's just so ridiculous. I want to finish watching the show. And yeah, I'll probably have to go watch that show with uh, John Wilson. Yeah. Drew, what was your, uh, do you have like a favorite bit that stuck out during the rehearsal? Just like a funniest moment. Uh, did you have a favorite thing? I know it might be hard to pick. Um, I'll start just so you have a, a, a second to think. Yeah. During, during the first episode, actually, you know, they open really strong with the fake bar. Uh, the fake pizza oven in the back, where they put already made pizzas into the <laughs> oven and then take them out and dump them into the trash, is probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. That's pretty good. I, I'm I, still trying I, to think. I love it. Like I, I've only seen the one episode, but even still, I feel like it would still be one of my favorite moments. I love a dead grandpa prank. That's 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 a deep cut, man. That's a fucked up joke. Yeah, that's a good one. I, uh. I did love some of the thing. I mean, just the first. I remember how shocking it was at the beginning of the second episode, before you know what's going on, when you see the production crew go in through the window and switch out the child for the first time and yeah. you have no idea what's going on and it almost looks like there's a child abduction going on it's like and then later you you understand but that moment i just remember being truly shocking um but there's a lot of things like that. i mean there are so many little things that stick out the first time that they make the house into where it's winter because it's christmas time and it pulls out and you see the snow um i mean as terrible as it is, the anti-Semitic remarks from Angela and, and the whole, like, taking the son to the Jewish classes and then <laughs> making him look, the... pouring water on him to make it look like he'd been at swim oh, yeah, She's like a I weird mean, Christian fundamentalist. Brilliant. Yeah, she kept saying well, she doesn't celebrate Halloween because it's a satanic ritual and they're sacrificing yes. babies underground and stuff. Him taking Adam to Jewish school every day and dropping him off and then the real parents picking up the kid right behind him and taking the kid to real school, absolutely hilarious. Uh, I got, got no notes on that comedically. And the, and the thing that's crazy is, you know, we've already talked about this show at length. There's only six episodes. The first episode's the longest. I think the first one's about 45 minutes. The rest are all about half an hour. And there is so much jam-packed in all of this. Like, it's you could watch the whole series in a little over three hours, but you could talk about it for triple that, if not more. I mean, you there's so much to get out of that three hours. It's insane. Yeah, I actually really liked watching it on a weekly basis. I feel like if I sat down and watched this one in three hours, I would be just emotionally wiped uh, Agreed. Agreed. Nathan Fielder can just be hard to watch. Uh, he is really good at casting these uncomfortable people, and he's really good at playing the straight man and making people feel uncomfortable. Um, so he, he has this this brand of comedy that is almost like makes you queasy after a while just by design. Um, and and to your point, Drew, I don't know if he is like the best guy at casting in the world or what agencies he uses, but I just have a feeling that he, he's a weird magnet. Just like wherever mm -hmm. Nathan goes, I think just weird things happen, and the way that he interacts with people just causes weird things to happen. Uh, I think he could make any of us look really weird. If you just gave him a camera and he walked up and started talking to us, I think he could make us look like total weirdo assholes just from his 
his pacing, his phrasing, and, and the way that he is. Um, before we move on, I just want to, again, you guys, there's a show on Amazon Prime called Last One Laughing. And it is, there's a bunch of different seasons that represent different countries, but Last One Laughing Canada. It's got uh, Colin Mockery, it's got Jean Lajoie, who's Taco from the League, uh, it's got a guy from Letterkenny, uh, it's got a guy from Kids in the Hall. It's all these Canadian comedians that are hilarious, and whoever the last one in the room is wins. So Tom Green's on the show also. And so it's the last one laughing, right? You try to make everybody else laugh, and you win. I think that in a season two, Nathan Fielder would go all the way to the top, exceed beyond, I think he would make every single comedian laugh. I don't think you could ever break him. I think that Nathan Fielder is like a, a, a god amongst men uh, as far as comedians <laughs> are concerned right now. He is just like, oh my god, you know, he's got the golden touch. Well, perfect. I have to, um, I do have to give you a thank you, Gary, because you were the first to talk about this, and it sounded interesting, and I said after that episode, I'll give this a shot. Little did I know how I would be wrapped up in it. I think I watched, I watched the, the first episode on, like, a Sunday night, and then by, by two, I think I watched, you know, two episodes the following night and the, another episode after that. And then I was able to watch the last two in real time and being able to be part of that weekly discovery, uh, even for just a couple weeks, was an incredible experience. Yes, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm glad that you, you have your finger on the pulse for the movies and for the Oscars. And I'm, I'm trying to keep my fingers to the pulse to comedy and see, <laughs> making sure nothing funny slips by. And there, something like the rehearsals interesting because, like, obviously the Emmy nominations just came out, so the Emmys will be happening soon. So the rehearsal wouldn't be eligible until the next one. But I don't know how a show like this does in an award circuit kind of thing. Like, does this get nominated for a best comedy, or is it more under like a reality TV show? Like, I don't even know how to categorize it. Is I it don't a know if you docu series. Is it a mockumentary? Well, <laughs> what is this? And it's not. You can't say it's a limited series because it got renewed for a second season. So it's just. I don't know. I, I as far as I'm concerned, give it all the awards. Nominate it for best picture. Like I'm okay with it. Just if if it gets this in front of more people, I'm open to it. I I loved it. And again, like there are people who will watch this and probably hate it, but even those people, I still think should watch this show because you get something out of it. You get something. You at least get something that you've never seen before. Yes, yes. It's an experience you can't get anywhere else for sure. Uh, before, yes, before Nathan for you was the one to watch where you just get to see a bunch of crazy stuff. But now, <laughs> this one is really just him. He, I don't know. It's like he has a free pass to be himself, and he really uses it. So you, I could definitely tell there was an episode of Nathan for you in the late se- in the late season where he like Uber is he's trying to take down Uber. So he's starting <laughs> a cell of like Uber drivers that will turn on a whim whenever he calls them to help put Uber out of business so that a local cab company can get more fares. And when he does it, he has like contacts a guy anonymously on Craigslist. He leaves cash in a brown paper bag in a trash can like in the street. 
The guy goes in and buys a bunch of untraceable phones, takes them to a dock, puts them in a waterproof bag, and drops them in the ocean. And then he swims up underwater in full scuba gear to pick up the phones, just proving that he could start a cell of, you know, of terrorism inside Uber if he wanted to. And so when I saw that in Nathan for You, I was like, okay, this is where he's got the idea for the rehearsal. He's already got it. He's already stretching his budget. He, the, the production team is behind him. And so you could kind of see the natural evolution of where he's going to take it next. Uh, so I've, I've actually enjoyed Nathan for you more the second time going back and watching it. That dude's a super villain, like straight up. He's a real life mm-hmm. super villain. Yeah, that's he really part. could be an evil mastermind. I, seriously, he's I scary, think- man. That's what the Joker would actually be like. Every now and then he would blow up a city, but most of the time he would just be playing pretend with a family. And then murder them. Well, perfect. That was the rehearsal, obviously. It's fresh out the podcast. It's fresh out the box. Watch the show. Um, We can talk about some other things that we've been watching, which... A lot of mine are movies, but since we just talked about the rehearsal, which is a show, I just want to talk about something else because it's a little bit dated at this point, but I I want to mention it because I almost thought it would never happen. Um, Back when Stranger Things 4 came out, Jahan spoke about it a bit um, and commented on it throughout. We mentioned at that time that I had stopped watching in the middle of season two. Um, And I was talking to some friends about it after that, uh, and I was telling them what all I remembered from season two, because I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. I was like, do I restart season two from the beginning, because it's been five years, and rewatch what I've seen, or just just continue? And I told them everything that I remembered from it, and they were like, no, I think you're fine, You you should keep going. And so I did. And I remember exactly why I stopped watching. I stopped watching because I had watched the first six episodes of season two. There are nine episodes in season two. And the seventh episode is the one that everybody complained about being bad. That kind of detracts from the rest of the series where Eleven goes off to meet her quote unquote sister. And and forms like this plot. Yeah. Yeah. Like a terrible, really bad punk X-Men wannabe group. Um, and so that's why I had, I hadn't continued because I remember everybody saying how bad that episode was. I put it off and put it off until enough time passed that I just never resumed the show. Um, so about two weeks ago, I said, all right, let's kick it up. And I watched the seventh episode of season two by the next day. I finished season two, uh, within Two or three days later, I finished season three. Yeah. And within another four or five days later, I finished season four. So in eight days, I watched 20 episodes of Stranger Things. Um, and I, I'm caught up. And I am not a binge watcher. Y'all have heard me say that multiple times on the show. But I did catch up on Stranger Things 4. I do wish now, in hindsight, that I had been caught up on it before and really could have been part of the conversation uh, as too, it was man. airing. Me too, I will say, I really, obviously, for me to binge it like that and watch it, I liked it. Um, I enjoyed my time with it. I do have nitpicks about it. I do think that it was unnecessary for all of the episodes in season four to be upwards of an hour and 15 to an hour and 20 minutes long, especially because I think some of the plot lines drag on a little bit or more boring than others. And the comparison I've made is to take a page out of Game of Thrones book, right? If you remember when Game of Thrones was in its prime, when it was good, um, 
ignore the last couple seasons. You know, sometimes there was an episode where you didn't get Arya, that one, or you didn't get Jamie Lannister in one, or you didn't get Bran in one, and then they'd be in the next one, and they'd continue theirs. Stranger Things needs to take some notes, because the way that they drew out um, Hopper in the Russian prison, and Joyce and, and Murray going there, and then also... I mean, Mike and Will and them might as well not have even been in the season, but yes. they were in every episode. I'm like, you really could have cut 20 to 25 minutes off every single one of these episodes and made them under an hour. And I probably would have enjoyed it more. A lot of those storylines do end up having good payoffs. I still don't think it needed to be as long as it was. That being said, again, I had a good time with it. The Hawkins stuff was great. Vecna was a good villain. Like all the climax, the, some of the big moments are some of the best in the series. Um, had a good time with it. So anyway, I just wanted to consider things for. I know I'm late to the party, but now I'm all caught up. So that when is. season five comes out in two years or whenever it is, I will I will be there ready to watch it. And we'll probably still have a podcast, so that'd be fun to talk about. Yeah, no, I'm glad you caught it's kind of vindicating for me because like neither of you watched it and I was really high on it. Uh and now that you you've seen it and you liked it, it makes me feel a little better. So it's one of those things where, you know, I'm I try to be I don't watch everything, you know, but I no. do try to watch the things that are part of the conversation. Obviously, the rehearsal has been kind of part of pop culture recently. But Stranger Things 4 is the biggest franchise, or excuse me, Stranger Things in general is the biggest franchise Netflix has. It's their bread and yeah. butter. It's their most watched thing. And so I really felt like I was, you know, missing out by not watching this. And, uh, hey, you know what? People like it because it's good. It is good. It had some really cool things in it. It's not perfect by any means. Um, I would even say there's better shows, but uh, I did enjoy my time with it. I, I kind of had fun binging something for the first time in a long time. Yeah. I'll be the guy to poop on it. I think that Mike gets worse as an actor every single season. <laughs> and I didn't want him to get worse because I actually like that kid. And Will, I agree. unfortunately, Will doesn't get better at all. And he's just as bad in the fourth season as he is in the first season, which is like unbearably hard to watch. Did you um, finish too, Gary? I didn't. I didn't finish four. Okay, um, and that's. I'm gonna be that guy. You know, uh, I, I'm. I'm sure that it's great. But as a guy who watched season one when it came out, and then season two when it came out, and then season three when it came out, I wasn't excited for four. I started watching four. And it was not great. Uh, I'm over Stranger Things, and I think that you know they should. I think they should have recast a season or two ago. Uh, I love the kids and I love the story of Hawkins, but I think they should have wrapped that story up and, and moved along. And I think they're beating a dead horse now. Um, so let, I mean, hope for season five, right? We, we'll see. Uh, me doubt. Season five's the, uh, supposedly the last, but I think they have already announced spinoffs, which of course they have to, this is Netflix's biggest franchise. They have to do more with it because they have to, uh, there's been a lot of, analysts and people that are way smarter than me uh, who talk about Netflix a lot because they've been in the news a lot with their stock prices and losing subscribers for the first time and, and all these different things. And a lot of the consensus is that at this point in Netflix's lifespan and with the amount of money they've spent on content that they should have more high profile franchises 
than what they have. Yeah. Because really at this point, like they're going to do a, a, a sequel to the gray man and a spinoff of that. Like why? Like that movie's not good. They're going to do red notice too. That movie wasn't good. Like stranger things is decent and it's their biggest franchise, but they should have five different versions of stranger things. Not, not saying spinoffs, but Five franchises five held equal as franchises yeah. in the same regard as Stranger Things is by well, I mean, the general bombed, subscribers. They bombed Jupiter's Legacy. Oh my god, uh, that one you know, killed they, me, dude. They shot that one down. Uh, they shot down Cowboy Bebop, which actually I thought had a really good first season. That could have been something they kept making. Uh, they shot down Altered Carbon, which had a terrible second season, but a really good first season. Really good first season. Uh, you know, and that's one of those things that you probably could have continued, sort of like True Detective, cast different people and kept going, and maybe you could have saved that show in a third or fourth season, uh, just because the world was cool. But but Netflix gives up on these shows. They greenlight all of this trash, and then they shoot down uh, decent projects that they've already produced. And, they, and I think that's where they're really hurting themselves. They somehow take a lot of risk while at the same time not taking the risks they should. Because they take risks on all this garbage, like you're saying. But then when they have something that might maybe doesn't perform quite as well as they want, they just shoot it down. Yeah, there's Cowboy no one, Bebop. What the hell, no one man? there at Netflix who is like sticking to their guns. Like, we greenlit this. We need three or four seasons, period. We put in the money. Like, they, they need a guy saying that because right now they're greenlighting it. They make one. It underperforms, and they, they boot it. But... Cowboy Bebop wasn't even out for like two or three months before they canceled in any shot of a second season. Yeah, and then it, I think it ended up being nominated for an Emmy or something, uh, or yeah, it was nominated for something. Cowboy Bebop was great. Uh, Netflix just has a way of doing that. That is it's mainly my point. Yeah, and then like a lot of shows have a better second season. That's just how it works. Like one like. It's better because they have more budget, they have a bigger fan base, uh, and usually, like, second seasons do well. I don't know why, you know, Jupiter's Legacy could have been great, man. And I always thought that if you were going to make a movie, the best bet is to make three. Because if you make three movies, people are going to want to watch the trilogy. Even if they're not good. People are going to want to see all three yeah. movies. They're not going to see one and be like, I'm not watching the rest of that crap. Um... Yeah, I've got this plan in the back of my mind that if you made a Western movie, it would be bad. But if you made three Western movies, everybody would think it was a work of art. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I tend to agree. I can't think of another thing that Netflix has that's really quite up there with Stranger Things. The best thing that I think Umbrella they have... Academy? Umbrella Academy is really good. I like it a lot. They're having a fourth season. Uh, it's like a knockoff X-Men, so I shrug when I say it, but it is a thing that they have. <laughs> well, I would say the other one, it's kind of hard to count it, but Squid Game. So that Fair. was one of their most watched things in a long time. It got a lot of buzz. They're going to do a second season. But the difference is, like, you know, that show, Netflix has the rights to and, and and aired but the creators of that show didn't make it with the intentions of making a second season or yeah. anything like that and then it became kind of this global uh, anomaly because it became such a phenomenon where of course they're now being forced into a second season but it's not like stranger things that was kind of built 
with the premise of being a franchise, you know, um, and Squid Game's getting other things, too. Like, they're making a game show based off of it, which that seems a little bit twisted, considering what the concept of Squid Game <laughs> even is. Like, I, you know, I we'll see. But that's the other one that I feel like, you know, Squid Game made a lot of headlines because it was the most watched thing. If you win, they I think pay in your Netflix history bills. until Stranger Things came out. So the the only other thing that Netflix, uh, the thing that they've stuck to and that I think is really good and probably underrated, honestly, is the Castlevania anime. Lava. Uh, the, the <laughs> Castlevania anime is fire all the way. Every season's good, and they're doing a spinoff, so they stick to some things. But yeah, I I feel like they need to give things more of a chance. Well, you have to acknowledge the things that we don't watch, right? That aren't necessarily catered to us. But, like, my wife watched every episode of Inventing Anna, and that was a really popular show on Netflix this year. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of shows that... Bridgerton is huge uh, for Netflix. That's and, fair. you know, there's other things that aren't... don't necessarily pertain to our interests here, but... It's not to say there aren't people out there that really like those things. Now, Jahan, to kind of, we'll kind of move on... Um, so we can talk about some of the other things we've been watching and so we don't go all night because I could go all night on the streaming wars. But, you know, we we tend to bring this up every couple of weeks and, and get into it. But, Jahan, you have on your list that you watched Sandman, which was another Netflix, big, yeah. big Netflix show. So it's kind of a perfect transition to that because this is a big this is a big one. This is one that I have. I haven't watched it. Um, but, you know, this comic has its huge fan base like people that absolutely adore this series oh, yeah. and a lot of people considered it unfilmable so now you've watched it what are so your thoughts? there are reasons why they think it's unfilmable uh like it's very high concept it gets out there sometimes like like i said um i think i told you guys at one point he battles lucifer in a hypothetical battle but like it's awesome it's really cool um this shows is very high concept, and to those people's credit, saying that it's unfilmable. Like, there's a lot of times when the show, like, I'm like, there's no way this is going to turn out good. This is going to be stupid. But I finished the season. It never got dumb in any way. It was good all the way through. I loved every episode. Uh, it gets really, it it has some heaviness to it. Like, like pit, like it's got some rough subject matter. Uh, like a convention for serial killers that they do not sugarcoat uh, very much at all. It gets pretty dark, man. Um, this show's great. I can't wait for another season. I'm not sure if it got greenlit yet, but they also, uh, since the series ended, they snuck out two additional episodes. So if you finish the full original run, they have two more episodes that I haven't gotten around to yet, but I hear they're good. Um, I think that this is very well done. I've read a few of the Sandman comics, and they are good, uh, but they are also very high concept and, like, weird and, like, have to do with, like, the feelings that planets have. And, like, I don't know, man. Like, it gets out there, but this show handles all that subject matter really well. I think it's got a lot of good casting in it. Uh, I've heard that some of the episodes that were released after the fact are, among, are like, the best ones. Um of the series i did check it has not as of right now it has not been renewed for season two which with netflix that's that can be kind of scary you know house of the dragon just got renewed for a second season after only its first episode had aired of course 
you know, 10 million people plus watched it at, at yeah. launch. So but that's literally um, what that's we were a just huge, complaining huge about. Shows. So it's kind of now we're like a couple weeks post Sandman being released and they haven't renewed it yet, which I just don't know if that bodes well or not because. Netflix is in a weird position right now, so they are in a weird position. It might have to do with Neil Gaiman like wanting to make sure that he has the appropriate amount of control, uh, that kind of thing. Also, this show is very British. This is very like this is a very like BBC kind of thing. Uh, everyone's British. They got all the like a bunch of big, big British names. Uh, you got Brienne of Tarth is Lucifer. Great casting choice. Um, I think Gina Colvin is Con- uh, Joanne Constantine. I would like to see a spin-off of that. I thought she did a really cool job. I thought it was really good. Um, and then, uh, what's his name? John John Fry? What's his name? You know what I'm talking about? Fry? The comedian. No. Alright. Uh, <laughs> the, the famously atheist guy. Uh, he's in this as well. It's it's just a really good show. I, I recommend it to anyone. Um, but be warned, like it. I had to take a break. Like don't don't binge it. Like watch an episode a day and just sort of like let your dreams cleanse your mind because it, it's got some heavy subject matter. Oh, Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Stephen Fry's in this, and he, he he's really cool too. I like him a lot. Uh, just a lot of really good casting choices. Um. There's one of the serial killers, uh, what's his name, like Fun Zone or something. Uh, that guy was a grade A creep, and he was very well cast. It, I liked it. I, I certify this fresh. Myself. All right. I, I've been, you know, I did just watch Stranger Things, and I, uh, because I'm not somebody that binge watches things... It's been a while since I've experienced the feeling of, like, after binging so much of it in the span of a short time, when I was done, I was like, well, now what do I do? I had that weird feeling that I'm sure other people are used to. And so, uh, but I haven't picked up another show since, and I considered starting this. But the same thing happened that always happens. I look at my, yeah, there's 11 episodes. I just watched 20 Stranger Things. Like, I don't know if I want to dive into something else yet. So I might I might do this one, but I haven't read any of the comics, so I'm kind of nervous. You don't need it. to. I've only read, like, literally one or two, uh, and none of them had to do with anything that happened in this show, so I, I went into it pretty blind. Uh, there's some really cool storylines in it that I really enjoyed. But yeah, Sam, Fair enough. Well, I've got a, a few other movies I wanted to shout out um, that I'll go through pretty quickly. One, I finally saw uh, Jordan Peele's Nope. The, his newest film, his third film. Um, have either of you seen this? Just curious. I really want to, but no, I don't want to. But if not, uh, it was playing at the park over here for free two days in a row, and we should have gone, and we didn't. And I'm still kicking myself in the nuts for it. That would have been well. Cool. I I don't want to say anything because I do think this is one like a lot of Jordan Peele films where the less you know, the better going into it. Um, that being said. I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. I love Get Out, and I really liked Us. And I wouldn't say I was disappointed with Nope. I wouldn't go that far, because I did like it. But I... You know, it's just hard when you go in wanting to love something, and and you just... You don't really get there. I think uh, 
Daniel Kaluuya's great in it. Kiki Palmer's good. And there's there's a lot going on. Um, this is definitely one, like a lot of Jordan Peele films, you can watch it as... You can watch it as the, the commentary that it is, because you're not going to get a Jordan Peele movie that's, that's not a commentary on something. Um, but you could go into it and just watch it as a blockbuster and, like, think of it that way. I don't know if you're going to get much out of it from that you, it, i think there's still some really enjoyable set pieces in it but i mean it's it's a jordan peele movie like it's it's a commentary on something so i think it's just again i said this a lot during talking about the rehearsal but your mileage may vary um i still liked this a lot like it's probably you know a three and a half out of five at the least like if i'm giving a rating to it that's pretty but good just but just you know i wanted this to be a six out of five like, i wanted it to be that good and I, I just didn't I mm. liked it but I didn't love it Gordon Peele reminds me very much of Alfred Hitchcock and and his stuff to me seems super Hitchcock inspired and that being said I think Hitchcock had a lot of really awesome huge horror hits that were really big social insights and also there were a couple of flops along the way and whenever you're trying to do these sort of weird high concept two stories in one uh, with a lot of symbology like that, it, it's easy to kind of slip up and put too much weight on the shoulders of, of one idea. Um, I think that everything Jordan Peele releases will have big draw because he's not attached to franchises. He's not attached to these huge studios. It's his name that you're going to see. And I think that's never going to go away for the rest of our lives. There's something almost Spielbergian about his stuff, too. Like, I think there's a lot of early Spielberg. And the thing is, is you can tell Jordan Peele's the cinephile. Like, he watches a lot of movies. He pays a lot of tribute to other movies and his. You know, if you remember, uh, it's kind of hard when you start comparing a guy like Jordan Peele. Like, oh, he's the next Spielberg. That's what people said about M. Night Shyamalan, and we know how that went. But I think... Jordan Peele is a very different filmmaker from M. Night Shyamalan. You really can't compare those two, even though they both make kind of high-concept horror films. But I, I don't know. Even though I didn't love Nope, it's still good, and it's still, it's still very much worth checking out. Was so I don't consider it a slip. Old? Yes, it was better than old. <laughs> old was hard to watch, man. It was much better than old, but it's just, you know, it's... It's not if it for those for the people that are going into Nope thinking they're just gonna see like an alien invasion movie, they're they're gonna find something different when they go see it and probably be disappointed. So you just have to go into it knowing you're getting a Jordan Peele movie. Oh yeah, I I, yeah. I had no expectations about seeing that. Uh, you never yeah you definitely never know what you're gonna get with it. I mean us kind of that one. Like, I learned my lesson. I'll never have an expectation of what's going to happen in one of his movies again. Because that uh, was, like, real left field. That was crazy. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, that's Nope. Um, I also want to talk about... <laughs> I just saw a press screening the other night for Hunk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. I don't know if y'all have heard of this movie. Nope. But it is... It stars... Uh, Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. So Sterling K. Brown, who's, you know, been in This Is Us, but he's also been in a lot of films, including Black Panther and other things. And I, I think he's actually a really, really great actor. Yeah. And Regina Hall, who I think is really great, too. And I think she's really funny. 
Um, of course, first saw her back in the scary movie films, but she's been in a lot since, and she just hosted the Oscars this year. And um, anyway, I think she's really wonderful. And this film is a satire of mega churches. So they play a couple who basically ran a, a huge mega church that had 25,000 congregants, but uh, due to uh, some sexual misconduct allegations against Sterling K. Brown's character, they had to shut down for a while and they're trying to restart their church. So there's a lot of satire here and poking fun at the mega church culture, which uh, some of it's really great. I mean, like their obsession with their Prada suits and the clothes that they're wearing and they can't, they can't talk about how blessed they are without mentioning their helicopters and the clothes that they have on their backs. You know, the fancy brands. I've talked about righteous gemstones at length. I love crapping on mega churches. I'm not a huge fan of organized religion in the first place, but once you're making hundreds and millions of dollars off of people and you have private communities for your deacons where only your religion gets to live uh, yeah, that's, that's quite a bit further than I think what religion is supposed to represent. Uh, so I, I love the idea of poking fun at this type of character with, uh, you know, mega church scumbag with sexual allegations. Uh, just a guy you'd love to hate. You, you might be interested then in, in checking this out, Gary. I think that I went into it expecting like more of a flat out comedy or maybe something more like Righteous Gemstones. I still need to check that show out. But it's really more of a... Um, has a lot of dark comedy elements and some of the things it does, it gets a little bit, uh, I don't want to say serious, but it, it hits some emotional beats. I didn't expect it to, um, that maybe I like, wasn't necessarily vibing with when I saw it. So I'll say that, but I do think that Sterling K Brown and Regina Hall are both incredible in it. And if it wasn't for them, this movie wouldn't work. They're both really good and both really funny. Uh, so yeah, so I, I saw this, um, I'll be writing a review for it here shortly, but um, as of now, when this episode posts, this movie will be both in theaters and streaming on Peacock. So it's coming to Peacock day one on September 2nd. So as at the time that this episode drops, it'll already be on there so you can be stream this. Where movie. can but, we um, find your review? It will be on nerdtropolis.com and I will try to, if I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, because as of right now, it hasn't posted yet. Oh, no. Excellent. Two other quick things, and then I will pass it on to y'all. Uh, I watched Studio 666, which is just the Foo Fighters horror movie that they made. I really wanted um, to see this. I haven't seen it yet. It is... Okay. It's, I mean, (laughs) it's about what you would expect with the Foo Fighters making a horror movie. I appreciate that they are big horror fans and they want to pay tribute to a lot of their favorite horror movies within it. Um, So it's a little bit like self-serving in that way for them. Um, It's too long. It's, and it's only like an hour and 45 minutes, but even still it drags on a little too long. (laughs) Uh, Dave Grohl is pretty good. Like, you know, he's a performer and he, and he can, not that he's a great actor, but he can at least put on a character. Maybe Some of the other members of the band. Comedian. Maybe not a good actor, but a very good comedian. Yes. And some of the other members of the band are, are noticeably worse. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
If you love the Foo Fighters and you especially love the idea of the Foo Fighters paying tribute to the horror movies they love, absolutely check it out. If you're just a <laughs> horror movie niche. fan looking for a good horror movie, maybe skip this one. Is it true that Taylor Hawkins got killed while they were filming this movie and they had to cover it up for months oh, until after it released? Come on. And, oh, then, come on. and then make it look like it happened naturally? Is that true? Oh, come on, Gary. Was no. it a cursed I, movie set where he actually got stabbed in the heart by Freddy Krueger? <laughs> no, but it was it was definitely, you know, that was part of why I wanted, had been wanting to watch it, too, because it was obviously Taylor Hawkins' last screen appearance. And yeah, but um, Rest uh, in peace, yeah, I wish Hawkins. I could, I wish I could give it a rave review, but it, I just wasn't there. <laughs> Lastly. I watched on Paramount Plus uh, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Finally. Have, you, have y'all watched this? Yes, I watched it. It I is hilarious. I erupted into laughter and almost to tears like two or three times. I cannot believe that some of these old washed up jokes still worked. Oh my God, was this hilarious. Okay, good. Um, yes, I was probably way too young at the time to be watching Beavis and Butthead do America when that came out. But I remember thinking that movie was really funny. So I did want to check this out because I'd heard some decent buzz. And yeah, I'll say this up front with Beavis and Butthead within the first 10 minutes of this movie, you're going to know if this humor works for you or not. Like if you're not laughing in the first 10 minutes, you're, you're probably not going to get anything out of this. However, I like Gary watching this at home by myself was laughing out loud um, at some parts just early on. Is, like you said, I mean, exactly what you said. The fact that some of this humor still plays well and the way that they frame it with Beavis and Butthead, just the absolute idiots that they are, it totally worked. I thought it was hilarious. Um, there was a scene within the first 20 minutes that I was probably the hardest I've laughed in a movie this year. And again, I was sitting there watching it by myself. Uh, yeah, I... I, I can't sit here and be like, everybody should watch the new Beavis and Butthead movie. Because, again, it's it's a matter of taste. But if that type of humor appeals to you, definitely give this a watch because it's pretty funny. Basically, yeah, check this out. This I've is, this never is seen this year. anything to do with Beavis and Butthead in my entire life. Um, I can tell, I can promise you, you can skip literally everything and just watch this. You don't have to have seen anything else. This will give you... More than enough Beavis and Butthead. I hear, I hear good funny. things, and it does look funny. Uh, I just wasn't allowed to watch it growing up. Uh, I'm a big fan of Mike Judge's work. Uh, I've never, I've never liked Matt Groening as much. I'm not, I'm not as big on The Simpsons and Futurama, but I've always liked King of the Hill and Beavis and Butthead and Idiocracy. Uh, that Mike Judge's <laughs> humor's always played to me, and uh, that same type of humor is alive and well in Beavis and Butthead. They're just so, so dumb. Everything goes over their head. They're just talking about dicks or butts the entire time. No one else knows what they're talking about because they're so stupid, people just assume they can't be that dumb. Uh, they're useless, they screw up everything, and they're constantly punished for it. Uh, it's just such a good time. It's just nothing but laughs. It's, it's a whole bucket of laughs. Their ultimate goal is to score. Yeah, on. that's all they want. I, I'm aware of this. I'm aware of this concept. Uh, where, where can you watch this? this is Paramount... It's on Paramount Plus, so yeah, Paramount it's Plus. streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus, and actually there's a new Beavis and Butthead series 
that's on Paramount Plus as well. I think there's still new episodes coming out. I haven't watched any of the episodes yet. I just watched this movie, but I might watch some of the episodes. I'm really looking forward. I'm really bored. I'm really looking forward to. We have confirmed new episodes of King of the Hill coming, right? And then also Futurama. So I'm excited for both of those that you mentioned. Uh, And I'll, I'll check this out. Um, While you're checking it out, check out uh, South Park, man. It's on Paramount Plus. I almost watched it the other day, but yeah, I just check didn't out get the Streaming Wars episode one and two. Um, man, there's so a bunch of Star Wars now. stuff that came in in between, like the pre-COVID special and the post-COVID special. You can skip all those, skip everything, and catch back up. Watch Streaming Wars one and two. Uh, the writers are back on top of their game. It's some great comedy, hilarious insight about our country. Uh, you know, things weren't that funny whenever we had Donald Trump as a president because it's the, they do a lot of political comedy on South Park. Uh, and it, it just, a lot of it wasn't really landing. Uh, it was a pretty hard time to make jokes for a couple of years there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but now it, it, they're alive and well. And the show's very funny again. And it's not about COVID and it's not about staying in your house. And it's not about how you can't have friends. It's all about how uh, the world's getting destroyed by pollution and... Uh, how the streaming wars are making content worse and worse and worse and driving the prices up to where none of these companies can stand to compete or buy quality content anymore. <laughs> uh, so so there's, there's a lot to it. Uh, you know, they, they've got a lot of tongue-in-cheek jokes, and there's a lot to gain from streaming wars, I think. Uh, just it's, it's right on the pulse of our country right now. Perfect. Well, that was it for me. Uh, Jahan, I know you still have a couple things. I have a couple of things. Uh, I'm just going to briefly mention, since I know that you haven't watched it yet, She-Hulk Episode 2. Uh, they do get into the lawyer show stuff, and it's still funny. Um, it has some really... Uh, I really enjoy its humor. The CGI isn't the best. So bad. It isn't the best. Uh, it's it's more noticeable in a scene where she's like walking through a law office. Um I was and like when she walks into the bar with her friend, she looks so out of place in the bar compared to everybody she else. Be- the lighting was better for it there because it was darker. But like when she's like bathed in light from all the natural windows, like it just you could really see that she's CGI. Um, but honestly, that's my biggest complaint. That's my biggest complaint. Uh, I I really like the situation she's put in. She uh, winds up having to. Can I, can I say stuff, Drew? Or- yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't care. It's okay. Uh, she winds up having to uh, represent uh, the abomination because uh, she can't get a job anywhere. She gets fired for her antics, uh, saving people in the courtroom. Her boss says she did the right thing, but there's no way that they can take the risk of like her blowing cases that way. Uh, but she gets hired to head up the new superhero division thing. Uh, at a law firm, which we knew where this that that's where this was going. Her first client is Abomination, uh, and he's actually in the episode, so it it has a lot of promise. I'm looking forward to episode three. Cool. Annie um, and I watched it and both separately left the room for different reasons and didn't return to the room until the episode was over because we were both bored. Uh, but we'll keep watching it. And I'll report back. <laughs> Watching it. Yeah, I'll keep trying In to air watch quotes. It. Yeah, I didn't turn it off. I left the room instead, so that's different. I <laughs> so I have some video games, but Gary, you have a a, a show. That, yes. Did you on, watch this? 
on Netflix, yeah, Tekken Bloodline. I didn't even know it was coming out. Uh, I'm actually a Tekken fan of fighting games. Tekken's my choice. Uh, I've never been great at Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter with the way that they fight, they're really combo-y, but Tekken is more timing-based in its fighting maneuvers, which to me is more natural because a real fight is timing-based and not combo-based. Um, so I like Tekken. There's something natural about the flow there for me. Tekken Bloodline on Netflix. It's an anime. It's all about Jin. Jin's mom gets killed by Ogre. Jin has to go find Heihachi. Heihachi's gonna train Jin to fight in the Mortal Kombat tournament, and then he's gonna <laughs> beat Ogre at the end of the Mortal Kombat tournament. Yeah. Um, so Heihachi talks way too slow, and there are not enough fights. But the show is watchable. I think that you, Jahan, would like it just fine, but I wouldn't recommend it to literally anyone else on the planet uh, <laughs> i would say that tekken bloodline is not certified fresh out the box they probably shouldn't have a second season and jahan will probably it's watchable yeah I, I plan on checking this one out i do i like to keep up to date i like to see what netflix is doing with their animes because it's always so interesting Isn't at the, the very really? least like tekken is all about fighting right so you want to see as many fights per episode as you can there's usually one fight per episode maybe two which just doesn't feel like enough because you're having a mortal Kombat tournament you know th there's not a whole lot of plot to be filled in in between just show me the fights and let's go introduce characters let's fight uh that's what makes tekken cool is all of these bright colorful cast members uh it's only six episodes so they strip down the cast to like you know eight fighters or something like that and you just don't get what you you know you don't really get the tekken feel out of it uh there's no jacks there's like very little nina uh, it's, uh, there's no Eddie. A ton of the characters are just missing. I was happy to see King, at least, but I think King got killed by Ogre, and this is not actually King. This is Ogre pretending to be King so that he could enter the fight. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a whole... It's just not great, man. Tekken Bloodline, not certified fresh out the box. Uh, I'd say don't watch it unless you're Jahan, and Jahan, <laughs> you'll probably think it's okay. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so that's all we were watching. I have a couple games here. Uh, I feel like both of you played this one. Uh, finally, since I don't have a PlayStation, uh, the Spider-Man Remaster recently released on PC for everyone to play. Um, and I've been, I've been grinding on it, man. I've been grinding it on. I already found all the backpacks. I already found all the shadow cat spots. I already found all the pigeons. Oh, uh, yeah. Swinging through the the streets, man, is so fun, so fun. And then like, there's a crime happening every now and again that you have to go stop. You can go take down warehouses. There's so much to do in this game, but it doesn't feel overwhelming. Uh, it's one of the. This is your first time. So you, you this is I've your never first played time getting to play this. Never played it. I have, it just blows my mind that there's, you know, this, this Spider-Man game came out maybe two years ago, I think. It was great. Phenomenal. Awesome Oh, no, game. more than that, I think it came out in 2018. It, 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 it's an absolutely great game. But then you have games like Saints Row that just came out this past week that you have this free world environment, and it feels so empty, and it feels so bad. And I just don't know how you can do that in this age where Spider-Man exists. Yeah. Just copy copy what Spider-Man's doing. It's so full, <laughs> and it, it just feels so full of action and fun, and swinging is so so much more enjoyable than whatever Saints Row has done. If that's any indication of my opinion on Saints Row, I forgot to put it on my list. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but so did I. we'll talk about it here in a second. <laughs> but Spider-Man, 
Uh, absolutely, it's the greatest superhero game I've ever played. You absolutely feel like Spider-Man. You can do all kinds of crazy moves. You can even unlock the ability to do, like, stunt tricks while you're swinging. Um, the boss fights are engaging and unique. The, uh, the different, like, submissions, like, sometimes you have to chase cars through the street that are shooting at you. And sometimes they have a bomb in them. Sometimes you have to save people from... It's all very... There's a lot of variation to what you're doing. It keeps it all very fresh. Uh, there's a lot of small, like, puzzles where you get to do, like, science-y stuff uh, if you're into that kind of thing. Lots of unlocks, lots of rewards, lots of cool uh, Easter eggs all you over really, the place. really feel like Spider-Man when you're playing you really game. really do. You fight like Spider-Man, you move like Spider-Man, your strategies that you use are Spider-Man strategies. You don't just run in and start punching people. Uh, it's way easier to swing in and pick people off one by one or, or attach them to the side of a building and come back. And it, it's just, yeah, man, I love that game. And Can't the story the story it. is great. The Peter Parkerness of it all is great. Yes. Uh, that, uh, the villain, uh, I'm not familiar with that villain at all, but I loved him. Uh, and I loved that whole story. The demon guy? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, it's I pretty cool. I don't know cool. about that, that guy. Yeah, there's, there's a point. The second I started getting like, oh, this combat's getting a little easy. Boom, the demons show up. It got really hard. And then boom, uh, the silver sable people show up yeah. and it got even harder. Very fun game. Uh, if you haven't played this, uh, now's your chance. It's available on PC for the first time uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, maybe like a month ago. And I have loved every second of it. You remember how hard of a time all of the... PlayStation fanboys used to give Xbox when their the big Xbox exclusives were also available on PC, and then they'd be like, "Yeah, your game's exclusive, but it's on PC too." <laughs> and now all of these PlayStation classics are coming out to PC, including God of War, Spider-Man, Horizon, you know, all these other ones. I'm it's, really, uh, yeah, that's how I streaming played. is getting added to Game Pass for PC. So mm -hmm. go figure. There's all kinds of crazy things happening Which one? in this world. Death Stranding. Death Stranding. Oh yeah, it's on right now. It's available on Xbox Game Pass currently. Um, so it's. I'm glad that you were able to play this game, Jahan. I played Spider-Man when it first came out four years ago and platinumed it, and then they released the Game of the Year edition with all the uh, extra content. Uh, it came with when I got the Miles Morales game for PS5, and I played it again and platinumed it again. So I've played. I've 100%ed the Spider-Man game twice. How much I like Hell it. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean Good game. I mean absolutely it yeah, it's it's one of the best games I've played. Uh it's period. One of the best games of all time. It's maybe, it's a fantastic game. Top ten, top twenty five for sure. Absolutely the best time. superhero game ever made. Um that being said, I also played another game that's a bit of has a bit of a cult following already. Uh, ha ha ha, you're so funny. Uh Saints Row. No, I'm just kidding. Cult of the Lamb. Uh, <laughs> Cult of the, I don't know if you've heard of this game. Uh, I've been following it for a while during its development. It's I've had it wishlisted for a long time. Um, this game, so it's a roguelike uh, <laughs> dungeon crawler, very much in the style of like Hades or The Binding of Isaac, yeah. right? Hades, but, very much like Hades, okay. Yeah, but in between your runs, you're playing Animal Crossing with your satanic cult of woodland creatures. Yeah. Um, and where you can set them the tasks. Uh, the tasks go from, like, gathering wood and stone to worshipping to, you know, doing all kinds of other things. Um, 
you get to you can do sermons every day in your temple uh, in between your runs. You have to, but essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying. You're a lamb that is the last of your kind. You're sacrificed to the dark gods because without you, the uh, the the one beneath it all can never rise. But little did they know that when they kill you, they send you straight to him, and he gives you new life in exchange for you doing his bidding and helping him return to the world. Uh, really great story. Uh, the characters are fun, cutesy little woodland creatures, and but underneath it all, it has like this demonic quality. It's a great game. Absolutely certified fresh. No one is saying anything bad about this game. Nothing but positive buzz. I love it. I can't get enough of it. My older brother already beat it. Like he he ate this thing uh, with two spoons, and I can't recommend it enough. If you like uh, Hades, or if you like uh, Binding of Isaac, or anything that Devolver does, uh, Enter the Gungeon is another one they did. This is like that perfected. Although it's hard to say, you know, Hades is a masterpiece in its own right. But this one has Animal Crossing. So boom. Well, there's, there's, uh, I, I, I also have this game. I also bought, uh, yeah. Cult of the Lamb, and I put probably about ten, twelve hours into it already. I dumped some time into it. It is a lot of fun, but I like roguelike uh, deck builders. Yeah, I like mine to have cards. Uh, I don't like the Hades style as much, where you're hack and slash running around. Uh, if you're definitely a, a fan of hack and slash type of roguelikes, get this game. 100% get this game. I can almost guarantee you'll love this game. Uh, I thought the city building part was sort of fun about it. The little town managing is kind of cute, and the animals take poops everywhere. And then <laughs> you can collect the poops and use them as fertilizer to grow plants. Or you can collect the poops and make food out of it and then command people to go eat poop. And then they get sick, and then you can make them go eat poop again until they die, which I think is really funny. Uh, you can sacrifice people. <laughs> you can do all kinds of stuff, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's uh, the, the, the sort of unholy aspect to it is very funny. Yeah. Um, and I could see, Drew, I could actually see you enjoying Cult of the Lamb. Uh, I could see you getting some fun out of it. It's some replayability. Uh, and, and since it's a roguelike, you know, usually you can't really beat a roguelike until you 100% it. But this one has what appears to be five different levels sort yes. of that are level locked uh, so there is a boss to beat and there is an end of the site so there actually is you know you can go beat this roguelike yeah um, that's that's one of the ways it's very different from other roguelikes it's not you going from the very beginning the whole time trying to get to the end boss it's you trying to beat this dungeon and then this dungeon, and so on and so forth. So you can't actually beat things in sequence. You're trying to free the Elder God. And as you complete the different levels, different gods are defeated, and eventually you free the Elder God. And I'm guessing fight the Elder God, because that's how roguelikes work. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but but there is an end in sight for this game. If you're a person who is afraid of roguelikes because they never stop, uh, that's the reason I like them. <laughs> yeah. No, Call of the Lamp, absolutely certified fresh. Uh, it's also, like, picking up a lot of steam, man. Uh, I believe they sold a million copies in their first week. Uh, so this game's this game's coming for it. I imagine DLC, too. So check it out if you haven't already. Uh, I guess the very last thing that I would talk we, about... We have to talk about Saints Row, right? We have to we mention it. Saints Row because we bought it. I 
barely played it. I am considering asking for a refund because I think I played it for as little time. Uh, I think I qualify for a refund. And if that's any indication, I'm a huge Saints Row fan. I have played every game. I loved pretty much every game. The fourth one, even though it was garbage, was still fun. You got to fly around and be a superhero. It it still had its moments. Uh, It was playable. This game is unplayable dog shit. (laughs) And it had one of the stupidest moments I've ever seen in my entire life in anything. Uh, at which point I said out loud, get the fuck out of here. Shut up. This game's stupid. <laughs> and I, Carrie was dying. He erupted into laughter. Yeah, I was dying. like in tears. Annie was laughing too. She was in the room with me and we were just laughing so hard. It has um, Yeah. I'm also a huge Saints Row fan. I like them in order. One is the best, and then two, then three, then four, and then whatever this steaming pile of dog crap is. I was expecting something bad. I was prepared to be let down. And what I got is so empty. All the characters are so empty. They're all so shallow. The voice acting is so bad. The story is just so uninspired. The terrain looks kind of cool, but I mean, we're, we're in 2022. If you make a video game that doesn't have cool terrain, then, like, what, what are you even doing? You know what I mean? Uh, it's the Midwest. It, it's, you know, if you like plateaus and the sand and flatness uh, and, and mesas, that's what it's all about. Um, there's not a lot of variety. The city's not big. It's kind of Las Vegasy. Uh, you can't do a whole lot, you know. You can yeah. sky there. Are, there are skydiving missions or missions where you come up and shoot targets in an alleyway, and there's just nothing new in in Saints Row. There's nothing that hasn't been done before. There's nothing fresh. All of the different clothing shops are spread miles across the county side, so you can't get the clothes in one easy to find spot. There's such stupid clothing options like light up purple antennas. It's like, bro, this is not 2000. You know, like a lot of these silly themey costumes are just shoved into this game at this point. They don't add quality content at all. Uh, the game is just packed full of non quality content. Full of content. It's just all bad. Old it's trash, man. Crap. It is just trash. There's nothing new. Uh, every other game before this did everything in this game better. Um, the storyline doesn't make any sense. Like, instead of being, like, uh, you know, gangsters, uh, fighting for territory, or, um, like, you know, celebrities or something doing anything, you're just, like, entitled, like, punks, sociopaths, that just, instead of wanting to, the first mission is, instead of wanting to, like, wait for payday, or turn in your rent late, you decide to go, like, rob a bank or something, and it's like, come on, like, it's just so ridiculous, man, it's such Every a garbage single, game. All of the main characters are all roommates, so all four gangsters live in the same apartment, each one of them is part of a different gang. Uh, your guy, your main character, is part of, like, martial security. It's like the Blackwater Armed Forces. And so it's just, like, immediately, you know, every character is like, all right, we're going to do something on my gang's territory, but don't tell anybody. Uh, and it's just every character says that. And, yeah. and that's the whole game is just... <laughs> It's so bad. It's, it's a game just, about written gangs so written by someone that knows nothing about gangs. Oh, no one... I think Jahan hit the nail on the head when he said no one seems like a gangster. 
no one seems like they'd been on the street. They just seemed like a bunch of like millennial sociopaths that have been like living on Twitter. And they're like, yeah, we're gangbangers too. And they just go out and like gangbang in between looking at social media. It's, like, it's, 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 it's just, just bad. so bad. But yeah, so uh, pass. If you have not, if you have not bought Sandra, if you're on the fence about, don't buy it. If it's free on Game Pass, I don't even think it's worth it. I don't even think it's worth a download. It is garbage, and I'm going to be asking for my money back. Uh, that's how bad it is. No argument from me. I call that certified stale. Keep that crap in the box. Yeah. Tape it up. It stinks. Uh, yeah. So. I mean that's it. That's all we got for this uh, this week. Uh, we had some real gems on the show for sure. Definitely check out the rehearsal uh, and anything else you enjoyed. If you want us to watch something, check it out. You know, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I've been Jahananan at Rockfact on Twitter. It's me, Casualty CDG. I'll leave you with one more reminder to watch How to with John Wilson if you have enjoyed the rehearsal. Uh, or if you plan on enjoying the rehearsal, How To with John Wilson. If you like tabletop role-playing games, uh, a la Dungeons & Dragons or things of that vein, come catch Jahan and I every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night playing tabletop role-playing games. We're playing superhero games on Wednesdays, we're playing fantasy games on Thursdays, and we're playing modern setting games on Fridays. We also have this podcast. It's called Fresh Out the Podcast. Because the other show is fresh out the box. And we didn't want to get confused. So we changed the names to make them reflect the content. So tell people <laughs> about Fresh Out the Podcast. Thank you. I am Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. And I wanted to note one thing. Because there's one big thing that has been absent from our show this week. And it is because I'm actually... Uh, this episode's dropping Labor Day weekend. I am actually going to be out of town Labor Day weekend, yeah. so we are recording this episode early. Um, but when this audio comes out, the first two episodes of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, will be available. So I promise we didn't forget or anything like that. It's just a scheduling thing. But when we are back, we will be talking plenty yeah. of lord of the rings the rings of power so i just wanted to acknowledge that but otherwise thank you so much for listening to episode 61 of fresh out the podcast stay fresh one podcast you rule them all